You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. This morning, I wanted to continue on a series on worship. Uh, If you missed the series, grab hold of the podcast because we began building something uh, for the message today. And the title for today's message is Spiritual Warfare in Worship. And we talked about the importance of worship, how in heaven we see this 24-7 vision of heaven going on all the time. Worship is a profound thing in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. And we often think about releasing on earth healings and miracles. Absolutely, because there's no sickness in heaven. We release finances on earth because there's no poverty in heaven. But we don't think to release worship on earth as in heaven. If the atmosphere of heaven is an atmosphere of worship, then why is it that we refuse to give him the very best? We refuse to give him heaven on earth. Worship is the currency that releases faith. Worship is the the very thing that will release heaven on earth. If we want to see transformation on our, in our lives, transformation on our planet, we need to understand worship. I just realized before we get into the word, we got a bit of prayer that we need to do. Uh, I think most of you are aware, 49 people were killed in a mosque in New Zealand. And lest you, uh, before you start thinking, well, hang on, they're, they're Muslims, we shouldn't pray. I think that's a, well, that's a terrible attitude. Let's not do that. Someone came in to a place of worship, a house of worship. It could be our church and began to open fire in this mosque. It's a terrible tragedy. Apparently, it's the worst in the nations of the world. So New Zealand is now infamous. It beat even the Port Arthur Massacre in 1994. So could you please uh, stand with me? Before we do that, I'm going to invite Brian Wareham to come forward. And uh, Craig, would you say we need to pray for Cooper? Why don't you come forward and stand in place of Cooper? Okay, we're going to pray for you. I want the church to join with me in prayer. There's something powerful that happens when a church agrees together. Chris, you want to stand with your husband as well? Lay a hand on him. And uh, I, I realize most of us are leaders in the church, but if you want to leave your chair leaders, come and join me in the front. We want to pray for Brian. We're going to pray for Cooper as well. But just gather around Brian, those of you that are near enough. Sasha, come here. Zach and Sarah. Come and reach a hand, David, if you guys can, and Tracy, just come forward really quickly. Bapa, I don't know if you can fight through the crowd to get here. Yvette, just uh, do your thing in faith right now, woman of God. We just want to do this real quick. This is very powerful. So for those of you that don't know, Brian's got a heart bypass operation tomorrow. Is that right, Brian? The bypass is actually lower. The aorta comes down here and branches off to each leg. They put stents in 10 years ago, but now the stents are blocked, so they're going to bypass and go across. Okay, so, the bi- so is it a triple bypass? It's just a bypass. Okay, so bypass surgery for Brian. What's happening with Cooper, Craig? Fill us in. Uh, he's got bowel cancer. Uh, he's got to have more surgery this week to see if they can cure it and uh, make his life a bit more comfortable. And how old is Cooper? Uh, six. 
six-year-old boy with bowel cancer. So we really need your church. So if you can stretch a hand out in faith, just begin to command miracles to be released right now. That's all you have to do. God, release miracles. God, release miracles. Just say that. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus as a church. Father, you said that the prayer raised in faith and given in faith will be heard by God. And Father, this morning we lift up our brother Brian before you as he goes to surgery tomorrow. We commit him, Father, right now in the name of Jesus. We pray for a hedge of protection around his body. We speak to the organs of his body that are damaged and commanded to come back to life. Father, we would rather the surgeons open him and find it's already done than to not pray at all. But we also pray, Father God, for the skilled hands of the physicians, that they would have a textbook case surgery, that nothing would go outside of the plan. But Father, everything they plan for will happen in the name of Jesus. We pray for such an ease about this operation. We pray for such a fast recovery that even the doctors will declare, I don't know how you're doing it, Brian, but you're recovering faster than we expected. We pray this and release this upon the man of God. We pray, Lord God, set him back up on his feet feet again, Lord God, very quickly, that all would testify God is in this. Protect his life. We declare his life will be protected and health will return upon you, Brian, in the name of Jesus. Father, we lift up Cooper before you, the six-year-old boy, and we speak to the cancer upon his bowels. In Jesus' name, we curse that cancer. Go in Jesus' name. We break your hold and we destroy every assignment of death and we release right now an assignment of life in Jesus' name. Come on, church, speak life. In Jesus' name. Just say that. Life in Jesus' name. One more time. Life in Jesus' name. All the church agreed and said, amen. While you're still standing, Father, we lift up New Zealand before you. We lift up the Pacific nations, Lord, on this planet right now who are grieving the loss of brothers and sisters and aunties and uncles and moms and dads. In the name of Jesus, we declare every life is precious. Father, they don't know you right now, Father God, but those who are grieving, Father God, are grieving for, the, for a, a terrible loss, Lord God, that is resounding to the nations of the world. And Father, lest the naysayers come and do damage to the kingdom, lest others come and take credit for it that shouldn't be there and destroy the work that you're trying to do, we ask, Father God, that the glory of God would be released upon the nation of New Zealand. We ask, Lord God, that in the place of death it would be life. We pray for those who are grieving right now, that the God of peace would come upon them right now. We pray, Father God, that you would use this tragedy and bring glory to your name. Bring peace over that nation, Lord God, and over the nations of the world. We shut down every person that would try to, to take advantage of the situation to further their goals. Lord, shut it down in the name of Jesus. And we just pray for peace and healing to be released. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Find your seats. Thanks, church. You know, it's so important that we become a praying church. Uh, I know some of you can't get out here at 9 o'clock because you've got children and you've got diapers and you've got different things going on in your life. I've been there. It's a season of life. But for everybody else, can I appeal to you as your pastor? that you try and come at 9 o'clock to church. We have a prayer meeting every 9 o'clock. It only goes for 15 minutes, but it is a power-packed time. It is a profound time in the life of the church. Some of you are more apt to pray longer and you want to do, uh, commit more to the Lord. 
Come and join us Tuesdays and Thursdays at 6.30 on Messenger. All you have to do is Facebook me, say, I want to join the prayer team. But we are praying every week. We are praying for you as a church. We're praying for individual requests. Uh, On our table here, we've got these uh, contact uh, connect cards. And on the connect cards, you can actually write down your prayer requests. We are actually praying for you. And uh, what I probably need to do is get a hold of these cards so that I can hold them up before you as we pray. But we are praying, I pray every day for the church. But as a church, we pray twice a week on Tuesday and Thursday, but also on Sunday. So make sure to keep those prayer requests coming in because we want to make sure that the church receives healing, breakthroughs like never before. Why pray alone when you've got a whole church that wants to partner with you in prayer? Amen. Thank you for the two men that agree with that. Praise the Lord. So, hey, just a reminder, church, we're not quiet people at Live City Church. It's not that kind of church. So if you came here thinking it's a quiet one, you came to the wrong church. It's the one down the road. They're quiet. But over here, make some noise. I'm, I'm okay if you hackle me. I'm just going to preach louder, okay? I got the microphone. I can yell. I can do it all, okay? God is going to use this message to change your heart. So turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles 20. Please don't be quiet, okay? Make some noise. Make some noise in the house. You paid a great price to get here. The price of petrol, the price of sleep, the price of tears for some of you as you grabbed your kids. I don't want to go to church. You know, take advantage of this opportunity, okay? Take advantage of it. God has something for you today. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, reading from verses 18 to 23, the topic of today's message, spiritual warfare and worship. I hope it changes your life radically. Let's read together. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. I want you to understand uh, the context of the story is that a, a vast army, three armies, came together to annihilate Israel, to wipe them off the face of the planet. Ten tribes of Israel had forsaken God. They did not listen to him. And so because they broke covenant with God, his hand of blessing came off of them. Not because he chose to, because they chose to. They chose to walk away from him. And so he had no permission to bless them anymore. He had no permission to protect them anymore. And his hand came off of them. And ten nations of Israel were taken into captivity, into exile. The two nations that were left, Judah and Benjamin, they are still following God. This particular king, Jehoshaphat, loved the Lord. And so when three of the nations came to wipe out the remnant of Israel, he began saying to the people, we need to trust in the Lord. We must pray before God. And that's the picture that's happening here. Imagine an entire nation knowing that death is looming ahead of you. Death is days away from you. And so they began falling on their faces. The Bible says they bowed with their face to the ground. Some of you are praying and contending for things. You're not getting answers to prayer. Can I challenge you that you've got to to shift the way that you're praying, okay? You can't just do the eloquent prayers anymore. Father, thank you for the sweet, blessed our body. Lord, I just thank you for a new car. Lord, I just pray you restore my marriage. Sometimes uh, you've got to just fight for the things that really matter. You've got to be with your face on the ground, crying out to God in the nighttime when no one else is listening. Let your neighbors hear you. God, I pray for our marriage. God, I pray for my wife. God, I pray for my children. Let them hear you. 
So that when your family comes back, they'll begin to realize, oh my goodness, God is answering their prayer. Maybe there's something for me here I can learn. See, sometimes we keep our private life too private. They, people need to understand the pain that you're going through. You know, you, that's the reason why some people don't go to church. They think, oh, you're all perfect when you come to church. Just turn to your neighbor next to you and say, I know you. <laughs> you ain't perfect. This is not a perfect church. The moment you step foot into this church, it ceased being a perfect church. Okay? So can we just keep it real, okay? Just keep it real. And I'm the one, the pastor, you're calling to, and I'm telling you, you ain't perfect. I know. And if you haven't spoken to me, I looked on Facebook, I know you ain't perfect. Neither am I. The moment I stepped in, it definitely wasn't perfect. Okay? Are we in this together? Are you with me? All right. So it says that all of Israel fell with their faces to the ground. They bowed down to worship the Lord. Now, it's interesting they weren't praying right now, saying, God, come and rescue us. God, come and bring and send angels to destroy the armies. They didn't. The Bible says all they did is they bowed down with their face to the ground and worshiped the Lord. I've had my moments when I had run out of every clever prayer that I had and no answer to prayer was coming. And all I could do was in my absolute and abject brokenness is just put my face on the ground. I realized that is the repose of the humble. Some of you got to go back to the point of humility. You've forgotten who you are. You came into the kingdom by the grace of God, and by the grace of God you remain. Remember that. We have no right to be wagging a finger against God. I get those moments too. You did this to me. And then I finally come to my senses. I'm like, I'm so sorry, God. You are so big. And I'm on my face just broken and crying out before the Lord. The Bible says in verse 19, they continued, some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites, these are tribes of, 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 of Levites, stood up and praised the Lord. Everyone else is bowed with their faces to the ground. They are broken. They're worshiping the Lord. And a shifting has taken place. And some Levites begin to sing and praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Look at these words. With very loud voice. Somebody needs to highlight that with very loud voice. There are times when you pray and you pray quietly. I get it. There are moments for that. But when you are contending for breakthroughs, when the enemy is coming against you and battering down the walls of your home, you need to start crying out with very loud voice. See, I grew up, let me tell you, I've seen the full gamut. I have gone from Pentecostal, because my, my parents were in Pentecost. They saw people raised from the dead, blind eyes, seeing deaf ears, hearing, Holy Spirit falling on masks, just crazy stuff going on. But I've also gone through schools where, you know, you don't raise your hands in worship. You sit with your family. You're very quiet. There's a piano or organ. I went to a, we went to Brethren in Christ, a college where the choir wore robes and the priests wore robes, you know, and you definitely don't raise your hand. You know, you have to know when to say hallelujah. You know those kinds of what? You ever seen Mr. Bean? There's an episode where he's a hallelujah. <laughs> you know, that, I've seen it all. And I thought that I was taught in Catholic school, when you pray, you pray quietly. Look, nothing is a Catholic. And there are so much in the gamut of Catholics. Some are, have you heard of charismatic Catholics? Holy Spirit filled, just like you and I. So there's a full gamut. Understand that. But how I grew up, the priest taught in the school, you know, you pray quietly in your mind. 
How do you pray intensely in your mind? It just doesn't work, right? What do you do when you're upset? You are crying. When you are angry, what do you do? You are screaming out loud, aren't you? Wives, someone just speak up for me. Just holler out a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Just rib your husband in the, you know, just get him. Okay? You are crying out. When you're angry, you are yelling out. And yet you want to get all holy with God? You're not going to the toilet. You are contending for things in prayer. The Bible says with very loud voice. Skip to verse 21. Is this okay? Everyone all right? Verse 21. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men. This is the army, right? He goes, okay, we've all prayed. We worshiped the Lord. We sung these songs. Now this is our battle strategy. As we go into a battle with an army three times our size, we're going to send the singers first. And then we're going to send the musicians next. And then the priests are going to come after them. And then the rest of the archers and the guys of the swords and guys on the horses, the cavalry. Then you come after these guys. It doesn't seem like a very brilliant battle strategy. Some of you that played football, imagine sending, you know, your, uh, your trombone players. Uh, I'm thinking American football at the moment. I see Logan there, right? American football. You get the, the marching band to go ahead of your, <laughs> ahead of your guys, you know. Hop, hop, hike, hike, two. Don't, it's not a great battle strategy in the eyes of the world. But something was changing and shifting in their hearts, and they realized the battle is not to be won by sword and spear and by javelin. The battle has to be won by the Lord. So if God is doing that, and we want his presence to come, we know that God abides or lives in the, pres- in the praises of his people. So how about we praise him? So if praise is the weapon of warfare, then it stands to reason, rather than putting the soldiers ahead in the battle, we'll send the singers ahead, giving the praises to God. Now, not so good if you're a singer. (laughs) But for the rest of the army, yeah, yes, just send them. Yeah, that's a great idea, Joshua. Just send the singers in in the front. So this is what happened. This is what they did. Verse 21. He appointed men to sing to the Lord. And to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. There is no prayer in battle. There is no intercession going on. They are just lifting up the name of God. They went at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes. Not men. The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, the three armies, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. This is what happened. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they had finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. That's the kind of battle I want to fight. I didn't even lift up. I just carried my sword to battle, but God did all the work for me. The people sang songs of victory before the battle began. I want you to understand the importance of singing these songs because we don't tend to do that. But what happened was this. In the time of battle back in those days, what would happen is uh, armies would come up against another, another country, and they would begin uh, 
threatening them. They would come to them with emissaries that threatened. They'd yell to the walls of the castle of that city and begin saying, tomorrow we're going to take you down, we're going to destroy you, we're going to kill you. And they would yell out all kinds of awful things so that the people would be scared before they went into battle. And then they would come to battle and they would fight. And the winning army, what they would do is that they would, they would after destroying the men, they would go into the city totally uh, ransack the city, burn everything down, steal anything of value, take anything of value, now belong to them. Women, children, anyone left over, stripped naked, and then they would be chained, bound by, by hands, and then they would have to follow, being dragged by horses, or by dragged by the soldiers, naked, all the way into the, into the conquering city where there would be all the women and all the children who were, again, in fear because they didn't know the outcome of the battle. And then when they would see their armies returning, they would come with all those same soldiers that threatened them. They're now naked, their faces are covered, and they're just uh, being, uh, being uh, dragged behind these horses and behind these men, led into the city, broken, destroyed, naked, humiliated. And then would come all the bounty, all the gold and the silver, everything precious. And a mighty roar would go out across the city. They'd be singing songs of jubilation, songs of victory, because the, the battle has been won and the army won the battle. That was the song that the people were singing before they engaged in battle. See, a lot of times the only songs that we hear coming from our lips when we engage in battle is, woe is me. But the battle song that we're supposed to be singing is a song of victory as if the battle is already won. The Bible says about God that the God who, who calls in the things that are not as though they were. God performs miracles in advance of the battle. I just want you to understand this. God already knows the outcome of your situation before you entered into that situation. He has already mapped out. Some of you are sort of not so sure about this. You haven't been in battle a long time. If you've been in battle, you'll be clapping a lot louder. When you've been through those difficult situations, you need to understand that God already knows the outcome and is working on your good for your benefit before the outcome has ever presented itself. He knows. And so that's why we sing these songs of victory to the Lord. Can you imagine if we did some of the things, you know, back in the Bible times that we do today? You know, we talked about Facebook and how we put our Facebook laments. Oh, oh honey, is everything okay? Oh, life is just so tough. Oh, hang in there, honey. Can you imagine if Daniel was in the lion's den and he had Facebook? <laughs> oh, Everyone is, yeah, they've, they've stabbed me in the back and they've thrown me the line. Oh, Daniel, we're praying for you. Hang in there, buddy. Oh, it's just so tough. Those lions look so hungry. They haven't fed them in days. I can see them licking their lips. They've got the knives and the forks out ready to stab into me. Oh, Daniel, it's okay. There would be no story. We know instinctively as children that singing can demoralize an enemy. I know you've done it. We know as little kids, you're supposed to sing to demoralize the enemy, but you don't even do it to your real enemy. We're so stuck in our situation that we've forgotten about the power of worship to, des to destroy the enemy. God created music. 
God created worship. The devil, Satan, was an angel. All those demons around us were fallen angels. One third of them fell. And Satan, or his name back then as an angel, was Lucifer. He was the, one of the key, worship, key cherubim that surrounded God's throne, leading worship. I saw a description so interesting. It talks about how he had these precious stones on his chest. Some commentators say he was whistling when he spoke. He created music as he spoke. He was a worship leader, drawing all the angels in heaven to worship God. But what happened was pride set in, and he began to think to himself, they're actually worshiping me because my voice is so amazing. And he convinced one-third of the angels that he really was. And at that point when pride stepped in, he thought, you know what? I'm going to be, I am like God. I'm so good at this. I'm going to take my throne and ascend it higher than God's throne. At that moment of pride, he was kicked out. So isn't it interesting that the first sin was committed over worship? The Bible says that the first sin outside of the Garden of Eden was because of worship. Cain gave a sacrifice of worship to God, but Abel gave a better sacrifice. It was all about worship, and it never ends. It's always about worship. In Job 38, verse 4 and 7, it, it gives you a description of how at the beginning of time, God asks this question. He says, Job, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand, verse 7 going on, while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. There was worship in heaven before the creation of the world. Worship has always been there. It's not a manufacturing or creation of man. It was made by God, designated for the purpose of worship. It says here in this passage, even stars sing God's praises. Louis Giglio does this extended teaching on how there's a thing called star song. The, the stars actually vibrate and create a hum. They have their own tone. They're singing songs in the heavenly realms constantly. That if you could capture it, you see this rhythm of sound that will blow you away. All of creation, even the very living things, the living beings are ex are, that exist are humming a tune. There is a resonance in the spirit realm happening all around us, worshiping God. And when you sing a song of victory like this, you're reminding the devil of the worship he lost out on. He used to lead this worship, and now you're doing it. God be praised. God be lifted up. Let God arise. His enemies be scattered. And the devil remembers that song. You're reminding him you're broken. You're defeated. I'm still with him. You're out. And I know your end. See, whenever the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. When he tries to tell you you've got a lousy situation, say, just wait till you get yours. I know mine's going to turn out for good. Yours ain't going to be so good. Graham Cook is, uh, is, is known as a, a prophet. He's an Englishman based in, in, um, in California. And he talks about the importance of playing mind games with the enemy. See, the enemy plays mind games with you. He tempts you. He causes you to doubt. We know that. That's his tactic even from the beginning of time with Adam and Eve. God said you can eat from any tree in the garden, just not the, the tree in the middle of the garden. And he says to Adam and Eve, did God truly say you cannot eat from any tree in the garden? Already causing doubt and causing confusion in regards to the word of God. That is his battle plan. The devil can't make you do anything you don't want to do. 
So what he does is he plays on the condition of your heart, that envy, that jealousy, that desire, that suspicion. He will play with it all. That's how he destroys marriages. That's how he destroys families. And when we begin to understand the tactics of the enemy, we begin to have our victory. Ephesians, oh, sorry, let me tell you the story. I didn't finish it. Graham Cook. So he tells the story of how he was in his office, and he stayed uh, longer than he normally does past the usual time. And he says, after business hours, I, and I never pick up the phone. It's, you know, it's after hours. I'll just let the answer machine pick it up. But he decided one particular day to pick up the phone and answer it. And the moment he picks up this phone, he hears this heavy breathing and there's this whispering going on. It's cursing happening on the other phone. And he says, I, I felt it more than I even saw it. And he says, but there was smoke coming into my office and I felt this, this demonic presence coming into my room, like multiples of demonic presences filling my room. And I started feeling this oppression. I started feeling this heaviness. And this guy just continued on in this phone, and it's like I could do nothing to respond at all. And just in that moment when I was feeling all hope was lost, he says, the Holy Spirit rose up inside of me, and I began to laugh. And, and this guy on the other end stopped what he was doing. He begins to laugh. He says, what are you doing? I'm laughing at you. You see, you don't understand. The Bible says that every curse that you give to me, God's going to turn it around to a blessing. So is that the best you can do? Go ahead, give it your best shot. And this guy started cursing more, cursing more, cursing more. He laughed even louder until the guy on the other end hung up the phone. And he thought nothing of it until a year later when a similar circumstance happened. He was staying back to work when the phone rang, and he decided to pick up the phone this time around. As he picks up the phone, the guy on the other end says, Hi, Graham. You, you probably don't know me. You, you may recognize my voice, but I called about a year ago. I was, notice those words, I was a witch. And my job was, I was I'm paid to curse churches. I curse pastors. That's, that was his job. I would be paid some money. I'd call up a pastor, did exactly what I did to you. And what would happen within a very short time is that that pastor would fall into moral failure. That pastor would be found up for stealing money from the church. That pastor, and he goes, all kinds of things would happen just because I curse. And I was having a 100% success rate until I called you. And, this, and when you laughed at me, I was just absolutely, he says, I was absolutely just shocked. That's never happened before. Every pastor has fallen in fear as I, I, I whisper, as I speak these curses out over the phone and they're destroyed. They don't even talk back. Instead of, you don't even talk, you just laughed at me. He says, I was so shocked and taken aback. I was furious. And then when you told me every curse is being turned to blessing, I, I, I finally hung up the phone and had enough. So I gathered the coven together. There were 12 of us witches on the beach. We lit a bonfire with a sacrifice on there and began to rain down curses on you. And while we're doing that, out of the fire, this figure emerges. It was Jesus. And he went around touching the, he's touching the mouths of each of the witches until he came to me. And when he touched my tongue, he says, every demon inside of me left instantly. And he says, all of us gave our lives to the Lord. And we're all in hiding today. <laughs> no, we're in hiding today. He says, because they're out to kill us. But I want to tell you, he says, keep doing what you're doing. See, we, we, we don't understand Ephesians 6, 12 to 13 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, so because you know battle is not done in the, in the earthly realm, but the heavenly realm, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. The problem is, there's a church full of people out there un, not understanding and remaining unaware that a battle is raging around them. They don't understand that the moment that you were born, you were born for battle. There's a battle for your peace. There's a battle for your family. There's a battle for your health. There's a battle for your marriage. There's a battle for your life. There's a battle for your soul. But what happens is most of the time we resort to Facebook hoping that one of our friends will help us. Can I encourage you instead to actually find your real friends? People who know how to pray. People who know how to wage battle in prayer, who know how to fast and pray for you. Go and seek them instead. Your mates are just going to tell you what you already know. They don't know any better. But you get someone who understands how to pray. They'll give you the word of God. They will encourage you, and they will pay the price for you. They will fast and pray for you. Thank you for the two people that clapped. Sometimes you've got to understand this. If you need this, start to clap and understand that because you're making things happen. You're changing and shifting heavenly realms as you're clapping. At the moment you were born, you entered a battle zone. You did not choose a battle, but the enemy chose you. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So if you think that you just walk around, everything is okay, I need you to understand there is an enemy out for you. Gunning for you will find different ways to take you down. His greatest weapon, of course, is to cause you to doubt. He'll put lies in your head. He'll begin spinning tales that you begin to believe. And if you surround yourself with earthly friends, people that don't know how to pray, they'll tell you exactly what you're thinking, and you'll be speaking into a vacuum with no hope in sight. When you choose to ignore the spiritual realm, heaven is not invited to participate, and you wonder why the battle is so hard. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. When you start to understand that the spiritual realm is more real than the natural realm, half the battle has been won already. The Bible says, in John 4, 24, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. See, when you come before his presence thinking that you're all that, you're not, you're not worshiping in truth. Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You're a sinner before you ever, even entered his, his space, his worship space. So we come repenting before God, understanding that only He can win the battle for you. And when we begin to worship in spirit, that's why we say, be filled with the Spirit of God. Pray in tongues. You need to understand the battle is not waged in the natural realm, it's waged in the spiritual realm. 
God will take care of the natural once you've won the battle in the spirit realm. And that's why when we come together and pray, you come at 9 o'clock, there'll be times when I say, come on, let's just begin to pray in the spirit. We are a Pentecostal church, in case you're wondering. ACC, Australian Christian Churches, were founded on Pentecost. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in praying in tongues. If you start to understand this, half the battle is won just when you step in that spirit realm. And we begin to pray. Why don't we stand our feet? I'm going to start to bring this to a close today. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, realizing that there is no battle won in the earthly realm. If it is won, Lord God, it is not a miracle. It does not glorify you. It is just a battle of men. But we declare, Father God, we are more than men. We are more than conquerors because a God who is a God of all things, has absolute lordship, is fighting the battle for us. So, Father, come pray with me, church, right now. Pray in tongues. Father, I lift up a church, Lord God, that is struggling with marriage. I lift up a church that is struggling with breakthroughs for jobs, breakthroughs for finances. I lift up a church, Lord God, who has children that have fallen astray and running away from the Lord. I lift up a church, Lord God, that is feeling beaten, that is feeling tired, that is feeling broken. And I declare the praises of our God, that you are worthy of all praise, that you are doing the battle on our behalf. I declare that this God is a mighty God, mighty in battle. I declare that before we began to pray, Jesus already said yes. And today we declare amen, amen, amen. Let it become so, Father God. Receive the victory, Lord God. Receive the victory. God is God and there is no one else in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Just with your eyes closed and your heads bowed as I look around this room today. This might be the first time that you've understood the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is a God who loves you beyond measure. He created you in your mother's womb in the secret place, knowing you intimately, knowing what you become, knowing what you're like in your old days, knowing what you will accomplish, and today he's calling you out. He loves you. He loves you. Perhaps today you have been a Christian and you've made a decision, and you followed Jesus for some time, but today you realize that you have drifted away from the Lord. Your heart has become hard, and you are barely moved by worship. You are barely moved when you come to church, and you recognize something needs to change inside of me. I recognize that God is the Lord above everything else. And if you are right now struggling to find Him, if today this is your first time acknowledging that there is a God, you realize, wow, there's more to life than what I see with my own eyes. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus this morning. I want to pray with you. It's my great privilege. And I hope that you will trust the Lord and trust me in this time. But can I lead you in a prayer today? And I want the whole church to pray with me. Are you ready, church? Thank you, guys. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, you are so perfect, and I'm not. And I keep sinning, even when I don't know it. It breaks your heart. But today, I'm coming back to you. Jesus, forgive me. Take away my sins. Remove my guilt. And give me your spirit so I can live for you. You died for me from now on. I will live for you. 
Amen. Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.